Welcome to the show. In this one, I talk to Matt Fernandez of Anchorage Community Theater. Matt's association with ACT goes back to before he was even born. His mom was involved in ACT and was the assistant director of the play Bus Stop in 1968. He actually still has the playbill for that show. Fast forward to 1989 and he's watching his first show. It's Oliver Twist. It's an ACT production and his brother is in it. Three years later, in 1992, Matt personally gets involved with ACT. He was 12, and the Alaska theater legend Bob Pond gave him a non-speaking role in A Christmas Carol. He got the non-speaking role because he stuttered throughout the entire audition. But Bob casted him anyway. Bob had a tendency to recognize when someone needed a role, either to be a part of the theater community or to boost their self-esteem. The next role Bob gave Matt was an Inherit the Wind. It was a speaking role, and he had the opening monologue. To this day, Matt says it was the best speech therapy he's ever had. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at patreon.com slash crudemagazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine and pick the subscription tier that works for you. I want to thank everyone subscribed at the company man tier. These are the people who have subscribed to the crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau, Derek Adolph, Sharon Liska, Jake Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, and Borderline Legacy. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. That's buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. And if you have a chance to rate or review Crude Conversations on Apple Podcasts, please do. Also, you can now get crude apparel and merchandise at TeePublic. From t-shirts to hoodies to stickers, baby onesies and more. Just go to the crude Instagram and click the link in the bio. Okay, back to Matt Fernandez. The history of Anchorage Community Theater is important to Matt, mostly because there's a lot there. It's been around since the 1950s, before Alaska was even a state. That's 70 years of local theater and community. The long-standing tradition of military involvement is a big part of its history. It goes back to 1953, during the Korean War, when ACT's founder, Frank Brink, was stationed in Kodiak. He was a naval officer, and he was also running Anchorage Little Theater. So he decided to see if the theater-writing team Rogers and Hammerstein would allow him to do South Pacific a musical about World War II. They did, and thus began a heritage of military involvement in ACT that continues to this day. To solidify his point about history, Matt talks about a photo taken after the 1964 Good Friday earthquake. In it, the streets of 4th Avenue are split and collapsed. Shops are destroyed, 
And above it all is a banner advertising our town, an ACT play. So here he is, Matt Fernandez. <laughs> this red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more, then you talk. Go to work! Do you have your theater voice ready? Oh yes, I do. <laughs> it's my bed, my bedroom voice. <laughs> you have a dog named Gypsy, and it's the yes. theater dog, right? Yes, Gypsy the theater dog. And she has her own uh, Facebook group that I'm not able to keep to keep up with, so I think it's a failed endeavor. But I thought I'd give her her own page. <laughs> and there's. Another theater dog in the mix now, too, right? Named Blazer? Oh, yes. Yes. Blazer, uh, either Saxby or um, <laughs> Stewart. I'm not sure how they're um, sharing the, uh, the dog. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's the dog of our associate director, Jasmine Saxby, who's been here since uh, 2021. Okay. Okay. Do you think having animals in the theater space affects what goes on in there? Does it possibly boost morale? Does it keep people on their toes? I think I think Gypsy has um I think Gypsy has actually attracted more people to ACT than 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 me. Um <laughs> and some of my plans. Actually, she kind of was a marketing idea. Um, that some people on the board didn't think was a good idea because they never had a dog in here before. Okay. But uh, the more they they come to our shows and see these pay, these patrons coming, and by now they come to our shows with dog treats already on them, hmm. and uh, so um, they like to see Gypsy. I've only had you know I mean the the percentage of people that have have objected to her uh, canine presence has been um, not even 1%. It's been very, very low. But I always knew Gypsy would would attract folks to the theater. Why do you think that is? Why do you think Gypsy is helping to attract people to the theater? Um, well, I mean, in Alaska, that's a good question. Um, some of my thoughts right off the bat, um, in Alaska, pe people tend to like dogs more. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, um, I think having a dog here also just gives it that kind of home family feeling, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and I think, um, you know, therapeutically or whatever, uh, dogs, you know, can help people alleviate stress and stuff. You know, I mean, you know, this can be a high, a highly stressful, uh, place for volunteers and for actors and stuff. You know, they're, they're coming in, they're, about to jump in and do an audition, put themselves out in front of everybody. Yeah, um, they're going to do rehearsals, meet meet the cast for the first time, and and there's a lot you know of personal s stuff that they got to get over just to um, operate and volunteer here. And I think Gypsy helps alleviate some of that for those folks. Do you see the theater as therapeutic? Oh sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm the main psychologist that everybody knows. <laughs> but I'm but I'm like uh oh gosh, let me forget his name. Um he was on Saturday night. Oh gosh. 
uh, someone's, someone's going to know it. Um, the comedian, he, uh, he did a skit. Oh, I can't remember his name. He did a skit uh, where he was a psychologist, and his answer to everybody's prob- problems was, well, stop. Just stop it. <laughs> Stop it. So that's how I kind of feel like, oh, you're dealing with that. Okay, well, don't do that. Just stop it. Stop yeah. doing that because it's making life worse. Was it Bob Newhart? Newhart? Bob Newhart. There yep, we go. Bob, yeah, Bob, Bob Newhart. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Just stop it. I wonder if you could give me kind of an overview of what the Anchorage theater scene looks like right now. Sure, sure. So I've been involved in the Anchorage theater scene uh, since the early 90s. Um, but it's interesting, people that I talk to, and I actually did, I, I try to keep up with this, but I was doing this about every month until COVID. I would do um, a YouTube channel interview, sit down, suit and tie thing with um, local actors in town. And mm-hmm. I got to learn just a lot about you know, this community theater community that I've known for 30 years or whatever, um, how it got some of its origins, you know, back in the 70s and the 60s and things. And, mm-hmm. and that was um, pretty, in, pretty interesting. I mean, you have folks that, that um, have been involved with um, Anchorage the- Theater. Uh, it's been something that, that they've done since, uh, you know, as early as the early 70s and then you just kind of as you you know as you go throughout the timeline and the history you see people that you see now like uh um uh shane and wayne mitchell you know from the from t from from tba you kind of see oh here's where they started to get involved in Mm -hmm. you know around the early 80s and then aaron mitchell came in and then you know and you think of um you know the act community and all those people uh, who were doing plays back then, right around the time Teresa Pond, who runs Cyrano's, was growing up, you know, as a kid. And mm-hmm. you see her her involvement, and then you see everybody kind of culminate into doing the Renaissance Fair mm-hmm. together in the in the 80s and through the 90s. And, um, you know, the, the theater community is just kind of... Um, continued on like a lot of those original um you know those members who've been involved for 50 years now are still around but then people just get added into it you know you have um you know uh, you have the the young folks that come out of you know the uaa theater which is not really around anymore uh, who get involved either they'll get involved in the anchors theater scene or they will move out and you know try to become something in with their skills, mm-hmm. or you have um, you know uh, a place for you know kids that might not you know enjoy the extracurricular sports or whatever, or, and uh, this is kind of the thing that they find that they do as an extracurricular activity. And that was me. I um, I didn't get into the sports. I did wrestling for a little bit and decided I didn't like touching sweaty people, and uh, <laughs> so I would act instead. But uh, but that was it. I mean, that was my my, my extracurricular thing. I didn't do uh, school theater or anything. I just did um, community theater. So yeah, um, I was around a lot of different folks. But with ACT, I mean that that um, that community theater. What's interesting about us is we just we get so many new 
comers and people who might just be in town for a year or, or a couple of months. We get a lot of military folks actually here because you you know and you're in the, you're in the military you're you're stationed in Alaska, which probably doesn't sound like a very good place to be state uh, stationed. And you did some acting or whatever, or your wife, you know, does acting. Mm -hmm. And you go to Google and look up Anchorage Theater, and we kind of show up on 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 top there. No, it's a very interesting um, community. I wonder if you have any stories of people finding out about ACT. You know, you, oh, okay. you mention uh, military people. Uh, you mention how uh and it doesn't need to be a military person but maybe something that just sticks out in your mind oh, okay cool yeah you said stories right after i talked about the anchorage theater community and i thought well i'm saving those up for blackmail purposes <laughs> um <laughs> no it's um well heck yeah i mean um well really act got its beginnings because of the military presence in the state hmm. um and not to get into the history too deep here, but in 1953, during the Korean War, um, there were many people stationed up in Kodiak, <clears throat> and our founder, Frank Brink, was also uh, a naval officer, and he was stationed there too, and they didn't have much going on. The Korean War didn't make it to Kodiak, Alaska, thank God. Mm -hmm. And uh, But he said, hey, you know, I run a little theater called uh, Anchorage Little Theater in Anchorage, I'm going to reach out to Rodgers and Hammerstein and we'll do, you know, maybe we can do their new musical, which has a bunch of soldiers and stuff in it, uh, South, South Pacific. And it's interesting because that heritage of military involvement in ACT has just continued on since then. Hmm. Basically the story is uh, South Pacific got brought to Anchorage, you know, toured there and did a show. And then from that Frank Brink and some uh, friends, some pioneers in the, theater community started uh, Anchorage Community Theater in 1953. And as I go through the history, and I'm, you know, I'm very fascinated with the history of, of theater in Anchorage, and I'm still kind of new at it, but you just see, you know, just how many folks that were in these shows that, oh yeah, he was, uh, he was in the Air Force, he was in, mm -hmm. you know, um, whatever. And, uh, and in recent years, I'm just surprised, you know, at how many folks, you know, come come to rehearsal right after work and their fatigues and stuff. I'm like, my gosh, I didn't know that you were in the in the in the military too. But we have. Um, but what's interesting is you come, you get the families as well. So uh, a good example is an actor who um, has done shows all over town now, um, and he's done multiple ACT shows. I probably can't even count them. His name is Stefan Maureen, originally from te uh, from Texas. Okay. And uh, first time I saw him, he was doing a show called Shakespeare in Hollywood that we did in 2018. And he was in a show later that year, a farce called Don't Dress for Dinner. And his wife and his kids um, have been involved in ACT. Uh, his wife did stage management for us. Um, his kids have been in our shows. They've you know grown up here for the most part and um and then you know his talent started to get noticed and he tried out for Cyrano's and some other stuff and and they cast him in that um and yeah he uh he is 
he's a very, very talented actor, and he's actually in our our show Arsenic and Old Lace that opens up uh, in a couple of days as yeah. uh, Teddy, the Brewster brother who believes he's Teddy Roosevelt. So literally, he he comes here <laughs> after work dressed in his full uh, mili- you know full fatigues. Yeah. He gets out of that, gets into a um, a you know. Uh, Rough Riders Teddy Roosevelt outfit and you know so from one army uniform to the other one um, to perform as this guy who delusionally thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) Uh, We have him uh, actually one of our new board members Steph Smoot is a who's an amazing uh, choreographer she did the choreography for our um, hit show that we did last December of Annie uh, she is a West Point grad. She's also stationed up here, and um, and she uh, she is involved with us. She's on our board now, and she's directing Matilda, which comes out next year. Okay. And she definitely brings that uh, military experience <laughs> to the theater, <laughs> which uh, which is not too far um, removed from the history of theater, actually. Um, so yeah. And Arsenic and Old Lace, Boris Karloff was the original uh, lead in that, right? Way back when? Yeah, yeah. And so that's an interesting story. Um, Karloff was approached by one of his friends and and said, hey, will you do this play for us? Read this uh, Jonathan Brewster character. And and, uh, he showed him the part where the Brewster character uh, murdered a man because he told him he looked like Boris Karloff. And so how perfect would it be if Boris Karloff actually played the role? Yeah. And so, I mean, he played it thousands of times on stage. And um, Frank Brink, the fellow who I just talked about, he he reached out to Boris Karloff and said, hey, we'd love to have you up here in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, to perform as Jonathan Brewster with our um, with our community of actors, huh. and uh, he did. And in 1957, you know, it's all lost to hit, you know, to history now. But I have photos and archives of of um, right down in Fourth Avenue, a big old parade welcoming Boris Karloff to. Oh, to, that's great! Yeah, you know, to Alaska. There's um, stories that I've heard of of uh, when he came up there and where they would go to dinner after rehearsals and after the shows and everything. I think they only did three performances of that show too. But uh, yeah, he was up here and, and it's, and it's funny because, um, you know, you can imagine 10, 20 years after that people talking about, wow, Boris Karloff was in, was in Anchorage. I saw him at the restaurant or I got to act with him or I was backstage, you know? Yeah. And, um, but then after that, it just kind of dissipates. And, you know, you mentioned Boris Karloff to a lot of the newer generation. Like, I don't know who the heck that is. <laughs> well, I'm a big horror fan. So uh, I know exactly who Boris Karloff is. And yeah. um, I read a book last year and it really kind of got into the specifics of Arsenic and Old Lace. And hmm. there was a movie. That's that was a movie adaptation of it, starring Cary Grant, Cary Grant and yeah. and it was um, they chose Cary Grant because they thought, if I remember correctly, that an audience 
wouldn't believe that Boris Karloff playing Boris Karloff. Um, and then there's a scene where he looks at himself in the mirror. Right. And he's like, I look like Boris Karloff, you know? So that punchline just wouldn't hit as hard. And so having Cary Grant in there, uh, obviously not being Boris Karloff, <laughs> it really made it easier for an audience to accept. Yeah. So I think, I think, um, and just, just to correct something real quick, um, uh, Cary Grant played the lead, um, the lead uh, male character, and there was another actor that played the Boris Karloff lookalike. Oh, there was okay, yeah. okay. And um, and actually, Boris Karloff was a little bummed out that yeah. um, they didn't, you know, come on, I played this a bajillion times. This role is literally written for me. Yeah, and uh, they didn't do it. But I heard somewhere uh, recently that there's another like made-for-TV version of this of arsenic and old lace that actually has Karloff playing Jonathan Brewster. Okay. So, but I'm, I think your story though, for sure. Um, you know, the fact that the studios thought, well, it's, it won't be funny if it is him. Yeah. It wouldn't play the same. It would on stage. I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if they were right about that, I think it would have been good to have him in it. Yeah. It's interesting to see, or to at least read about what works on stage oh, yeah. that maybe doesn't work on film. I wonder, <laughs> why do you think that is? <laughs> well, it's funny because um, I've been going to this uh, the Last Frontier Theater Conference in Valdez, Alaska, uh, off and on since uh, you know the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And... Um, they now call it the Valdez Theater Com Conference. It happens every June, and um, uh, what what is it? You know, a lot of these new playwrights or or existing um, play playwrights will um, submit their new plays, and they get read by actors and stuff. And usually, I I'm one of the actors that reads folks' plays, and I think, my gosh, you know, there's some of these plays that are written like a movie, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, and I've actually kind of. I've kind of wit, wit, witnessed that a little bit more with recent playwriting where there's like a lot of flashbacks and a lot of stuff yeah. to where um, it seems like, you know, this is like a movie that has multiple edits, but you look back and I'm not saying a play has to be like, just like this, but you look back at some of the 20th century classics, like from Tennessee Williams or mm -hmm. George Bernard Shaw or, or whatever. And you just have people and the dialogue in one place or just a few settings really pushes the story along mm -hmm. and the action. So instead of doing a flashback, you have an actor talk about their feeling about something that happened in the past. Mm, okay. And, um, you know, I've seen plays where it's been like, or I've read plays at this conference where, you know, it was like, gosh, this guy's like trying to be like, Quentin Tarantino or, or you know like where everything's an F word and somebody comes in at the end and everyone gets blown you know gets shot up or whatever I'm like dude okay how's this gonna look on a stage for one yeah. thing um, but yeah there definitely is a difference I mean uh, speaking of Stefan uh, who I just talked about um, him and I and uh, Mary Alice Larmy uh, another actress and she's act uh, she's also the director of Arts and Lace. we did a a, a short short film um, for a competition and we both struggled with, you know, that transition from acting on the stage and then acting in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. First, mm -hmm. you know, first of all, you're just used to when you're 
your acting on stage, raising your voice up a bit and having a bit more of a presentation. Yeah. And the acting for the camera is a whole different thing. You're trying to, to tone it down, to have a normal conversation or whatever. Um, and there's certain ways that you can, you know, look at, you know, at the camera or angle yourself around the camera that is an art form that you mm -hmm. just don't learn with the, with theater. But yeah, there definitely is a difference in, you know, people with the theater, you, you know, people can really come for the characters mm -hmm. and, you know, in our theater, you are like two feet away from one of the actors sometimes mm -hmm. if you're sitting in the front row. Yeah. And um, and what I've told a lot of folks that I've, you know, talked to about act, you know, about acting and stuff is it's it's how how are you going to get that audience member to relate themselves to your character and the issues that your character has, you know, mm -hmm. and. So there definitely is a real close-up opportunity to to um, to communicate, you know, to speak to an audience member at such a close, intimate range that you wouldn't get on a film. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of films that you know have great characters and TV shows that have great characters and stuff. But you know, part of a movie experience where you're buying the popcorn and stuff, a lot of times is the um, is is the technology of that art form mm -hmm. of the film you know you come to see top gun maverick right because yeah. they're they're using real planes up there and they're doing yeah. you know and um but you can't do top gun you know you try to do top gun as a stage play you're gonna look like a bunch of idiots you know on uh <laughs> on a couple benches or something, you know, <laughs> it'd be like playtime or something, which, you know, I, I might go see Top Gun, um, you know, the volleyball scene might be pretty in, uh, in, interesting to see on stage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> try not to hit the audience member in the face. You know, what's interesting is, um, so I watch also a lot of old movies and there's a, there's like a, a point where certain movies and these certain movies, I guess in my mind would maybe be like early Vincent Price movies, for example, sure. where uh, the pit and the pendulum is, is mm -hmm. a pretty good example where it looks like a play. Yeah. Like you're watching this movie, but it's a play. And then as movies kind of progress, they become more cinematic you know, for, for theater or for movies, they were emulating theater. And then now theater is attempting to emulate movies when in reality, there's probably some middle ground. Yeah. Well, you know, it is interesting. I mean, there's definitely, and I'm not a, I, you know, I don't want anybody listening to this thinking that I'm claiming to be an expert in cinema and um, theater at all. Um, but I, I do like both of those, um, Medium, uh, mediums for sure, but you know, it's um, there is definitely a lot of uh, crossover with what you can do with um, with a camera and what and what you could do with what's given to you mm -hmm. uh, for the stage in terms of uh, especially lighting. You know, um, we we have a great lighting designer, Dean Brady, uh, who's done a lot of our shows, and I mean, especially with this play, some of the 
the use of shadows, like the actor's uh, shadows with the position of the of the light is mm-hmm. I mean is a definite crossover of the theatrical and the and the cinematic right mm-hmm. but you talk about like like a Vincent Price film you know like like that and you think about you know what some of the other films that came out that really used the camera the best that it could you know you have mm-hmm. like Lawrence of Arabia which is just a cinematic uh gem right you know you Mm -hmm. can't portray what lawrence of arabia was because it was the cinematography the widescreen that whole Mm -hmm. uh cinemascope thing uh you know a film like ben-hur right Mm -hmm. Uh, with the amount of crew and all of that kind of stuff um you could you know you could take something you could take those subjects for sure and filter them or translate them into uh, a stage play, but it would, but it would focus on something a little different. You know, I might focus mm-hmm. a little bit more on the, um, the relationships between these folks and how they, and how the actors might even describe um the setting or the scenery, right? You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. so Lawrence of Arabia, there's that famous scene where he's looking way out at the desert. He sees that, that, that little object moving in, or, you know, in, in the sand and, and it just comes closer and closer. And it's this, you know, guy on this horse or a camel or whatever. I don't really remember, but, mm-hmm. you know, in a stage play, you can have him paint that picture with his words and with his, with his acting and so i think there's definitely um you know in a way the lights and the actors and and all of that can fill in for what the cinema does with a camera and sound too of course and set design for goodness sakes yeah (laughs) real quick before i forget do you know what plays they were doing back in Alaska during the Korean War. I know we're kind of far away from it, but I wanted to ask before we got too far away from it. Yeah, sure. Well, um, so Alaska Little Theater, I actually have a whole... <laughs> I um, Bob Pond, who who um, is just is the godfather of this, um, of theater in Anchorage, Okay. Um, I was able to, he passed away a couple of years ago. He was my mentor in theater and I was able to, um, uh, I was given a lot of some of his archives and stuff, um, from his daughter mm-hmm. and he, he loved to, he loved the his the history of theater in Alaska. And so I actually have a list of what what were the plays that they were doing at Alaska Little Theater from 1947 on. Hmm, okay. And, um, you know, on that list includes, you know, some Agatha Christie mm-hmm. um, stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't want to move into... Well, actually, I can... I'm on my... I will just walk into the lobby. So in the lobby, we have a what's known as the history wall. <laughs> And a lot of the archives and stuff from theater and ACT is on that wall. But yeah, it looks like 
1950. Well, we were actually doing shows with For Rendezvous back in the early 50s. Okay. Um, there was a For Rendezvous show in 1950 called Love Rides the Rains, directed by Ellen Maxson and Gordon Russell. Um, we did a show uh, with Alaska Little Theater, The Warrior's Husband. I've never heard of that. Uh, we did a, The Importance of Being Earnest. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and Blythe Spirit, which is actually a show that we did uh, a couple years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that show was done in, in the early 50s. And of course, um, in 1952 and 53, there was South Pacific, which was done by the um, it was the first Alaskan Armed Forces production, okay. not necessarily known as the U.S. Army because we weren't even a state then, but it was yeah. the Alaskan Armed Forces production. And um, Ladies of the Jury, Medea, looks like we did Medea, and, um, and a few times we did Christmas Carol okay. in the early 50s. But uh, yeah, and some of these plays we do again. Do you remember the first ACT play that you saw? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, so my brother was involved in theater. Okay. Uh, he wanted to be an actor because his father, uh, this is actually my half-brother to clarify, um, his father uh, did some acting as well, and he actually did ACT uh, stuff in the 60s. Wow. <laughs> and so did my my mom. I have a playbill uh, from my mother, or that has my mother as the associate or as the assistant director for Bus Stop in 1968. Oh, okay, um, that's great. Which, yeah, which Frank Brink directed. But um, my brother wanted to get into it. Uh, his father had died when he was um, a kid, and so he's always kind of at that time trying to follow in his father's footsteps in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did ACT shows. He did Renaissance Fair. He. He was very close with the Mitchells and all that. Um, and he did a show in 89 that was the first ACT play that I saw, and it was over at Grant Hall, and it was Oliver, the musical. Mm-hmm. And Bob Pond had directed it, and I saw it. And I had seen the movie. It's actually one of my grandfather's favorite uh, movie musicals. And so I'd seen the movie before, and so here I am watching this. And, and it was a fun production. I think my favorite character in it and performance was not my brother unfortunately but uh was earl sterling he played the artful dodger and i thought and it really inspired me i thought wow i bet you i could be a pickpocket and uh, (laughs) (laughs) and i think my parents were kind of kind of noticing that i was getting into this artful dodger role and uh we actually went out to eat afterwards and uh, some people left some tip on the table and I, you know, and I walked and I stared at it, you know, I stopped and I stared at it as we left. And my mom was like, no, just walk away. Just keep walking. She's like the play, the play influenced him. He wants to be uh, one of, uh, you know, one of Fagan's kids. But yeah, that was the first show I saw. It was in 89 and I didn't get involved until 92. Okay. But I remember mom inviting me to see these plays. Do you want to see Ten Little Indians? Which is not called Ten Little Indians anymore. Um, and I thought, what the heck is, what, I, what is that even about? I mean, you're going to have little Native Americans on stage? Like, what's this going on? And then there were none, right? <laughs> yeah, and then there were none. So I had no idea. But um, yeah, it really wasn't, I was doing ballet, ballet at the time. So I was on stage, but I was doing uh, The Nutcracker every Christmas. Okay. From 89 to 91. 
and I would just be one of the boys at the party, skipping and twirling around and all that, and that was my only theater thing, and and then I started to get into junior high, and I thought, man, you know, I get made fun of, fun of a lot in school already, and I want to have a clean slate in junior high, and I don't want to come in as a ballet dancer. Okay. So uh, my mom said, well, would you want to try out for a play? Well, the thing about ballet, right, is you don't talk. Yeah. And back then, I still deal with it a little bit. I've probably done it a few times during this interview, is um, I had a really, really bad stutter. Oh, okay. And so here I am trying out, doing this cold read audition for A Christmas Carol, which we did uh, in 92. And it was for Bob Pond. And I stuttered through the whole thing. It was just, I, it was a butcher job. Oh, okay. And uh, Bob Pond still wanted to hire me. I think he, pro- he probably was afraid of my mother. Him and her go way back. Um, <laughs> and she's, she's, she's tough. Uh, he cast me. He had the heart to cast me in the role, even though I stuttered like crazy through that whole audition. And he cast me and gave me the most, the, the, the only non-speaking role. <laughs> it's the ghost of Christmas future. Okay. So I was like, well, okay. at least I have to talk. Yeah. But um, but after that, he actually gave me the role um, that had a lot of lines in it and in Inherit the Wind. And I noticed that, um, I mean, you're talking about theater being therapeutic, is it? Um, I was able to open this show with a monologue. I was like 13. Mm-hmm. And because I had my lines memorized, it was a beach, or the best, the best uh, speech therapy. I ever did, and I was doing it, and I wasn't stuttering, and it was great, and I noticed, wow, I don't stutter when I'm on stage acting. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. You know, Inherit the Wind is is a pretty heavy story. It's yeah. about how in the 1920s, a school teacher is put on trial for teaching evolution instead of creationism in the classroom. In my mind, it's about freedom of religion, separation of church and state, mm-hmm. uh, probably above all, it's about education. What do you remember about doing that play? <laughs> uh, well, um, you know, it was interesting because um, I didn't grow up very religious. And so I wasn't, you know, I always just kind of... Um, a, you know, I just kind of uh, never really heard the creation side. I mean, I was that, mm. you know, uh, far apart from religion when I was a kid. And um, so, uh, you know, being a part of the production, I felt that, well, I mean, you know, um, obviously we're on the side, you know, this play is on the side of the good guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, these poor guys being persecuted for teaching uh, Darwinism, and that's not 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 right or whatever. Um, but it's interesting because now being grown up, you kind of see, you know, well, it's not as black and white as all that, and mm-hmm. and and um, so it becomes a bit more con- controversial. But um, it was a big cast. Of pe of people, and I, you know, with that show especially, I, I met folks that I know to this day. Mm, okay. um, one of my uh, actually, I met a a good buddy of mine, um, Randy Peck. Uh, that was the first play that that he did at ACT, and um, the first play where you know where him and I met, and of course I was just a you know 
13-year-old kid, and, you know, he was already an adult, but um, uh, but we would just be in every single ACT show after that, and that friendship grew as I grew, you know, as I grew up. Mm-hmm. He actually just passed away last May, mm. uh, and he was a, um, he, you know, everybody in the theater community knew him, you know, but, but um, it was interesting because the play is set in the 20s, and just having that that whole um you know the costumes and and uh, and all of that uh was the first time i'd really you know felt like wow we're really doing like a period piece kind of a thing mm-hmm. and the funny thing about my monologue was you know i'm basically talking not just about evolution but in you know you know in a way it's kind of sex ed because um, the monologue I start out with is like, you know, we all came from worms and a worm, you know, goes and, you know, into an egg and all that kind of a stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of funny as a young person, just, you know, I yeah. got to do this kind of, this kind of naughty uh, monologue in the beginning. And of course, the character I play is this, you know, kid who's just like a nuisance, you know, uh, <laughs> a menace in the town. And, um you know, harassing another schoolmate who's a girl about this, yeah, you know, here's a worm and all this kind of stuff. You know, in my experience with people who work in the theater or who perform in the theater, there's always talk about how magical it is, you know, the magic of theater. Do you believe in that magic? Um, I do in the sense of, I guess I, yeah, I've never really thought about it much in the sense of being one of the people performing. Mm, okay. Um, but it's it's what the audience walks away with. And I really do believe that um, that whenever you have a play that's going up, I don't care. Well, I mean most of the times it doesn't matter what what the subject is sometimes it mm-hmm. does i guess but opportunity you know you have the opportunity to put the work in and squeeze the most juice out of this orange as you can or you can just put on a show and have people say lines but there's always the opportunity to really affect an audience have them walk away different in their mind their heart their day or whatever Mm -hmm. you could change a person for the rest of their life with a performance with 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 a story and i believe in that opportunity and so when when we're doing a show and you know i'll talk to a director about that like you know i really want you to to use the opportunity that is ahead of you to really um, take the audience on this ride. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about like arsenic and old lace. And the idea is, you know, it's not just funny. It's not just a farce and everyone's acting like, you know, goofy. It's not a Jim Carrey, you know, thing. You know, there <laughs> yeah. is there is real suspense in this story. There's yeah. real uh, danger, you know, don't hold back on those like have the audience experience a plethora of emotion and mm-hmm. let them leave just like woo i just got off of the roller coaster or whatever yeah um i mean i in terms of like you know the magic of theater 
on the other end, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen amazing things happen with, uh, <laughs> with the use of scrap wood that gets turned into a set that looks like a Victorian mansion or whatever in a nine foot high space. Yeah. I've seen that, you know, we do that a lot here. Um, I've seen, I mean, the magic of lighting design just never ceases to amaze me. I mean, mm -hmm. just, just the things that couldn't, you know, that can be understood with the use of light. And it's so, in, you know, it's so interesting because, I mean, yeah, there are, are a lot of new developments in the technology of lighting design, but you're still just dealing with light. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Light that's been around since the beginning, right? Yeah. Um, and, and being able, you know, to be and to understand the art form of light, of using light to portray uh, the setting of a scene. You know, it's really, really interesting. I'm, I'm very um, keen on getting into more of the um, special effects of stagecraft. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you think of shows like uh, the Evil Dead musical right where they you know spray blood all over everybody and all that. you know <laughs> what you know what is what are the special effects so sometimes i'll choose plays for the season where it's like hey let's uh let's uh do a little special effect thing here and yeah. see if we can pull this off and sometimes you just pull it off with like um, an empty water bottle and uh, a sponge and some stage blood or whatever, you know, I, you know, just, yeah, just kind of using what's around you. Um, I did recently buy a squib though, um, for our Halloween show. There's a scene where, uh, one of the characters cuts into an animal, uh, who he's going to dissect. And I, you know, I was like, I want, I want a shot of blood just to splatter right on his face, right as the song begins so that's uh, that's what i invested that for so if anybody needs a squib out there for your projects uh gunshot stuff uh, let me know i'll rent it to you <laughs> i wonder if you remember you know it sounds like you don't really subscribe to the the idea of the magic of the theater from the performer's perspective but the audience you know how a play can affect an audience i wonder do you remember that moment for you sure well i will say some say say something on on the actor's perspective i mean in terms of community theater real quick i mean i do believe and i have seen people's lives change okay um because of the relationships that that they forge but also because of the characters that they portray Mm -hmm. I wrote a I wrote a play about female aviators in the 1920s and we were doing an outreach with the girls at North Star Behavioral Health and and uh, they would come in and we would do act do do acting stuff and I would hear from their uh you know counselors or whatever mm -hmm. and they would say um you know what this girl's I mean you know they can't tell me everything but they're you know this girl's dealing with you know she she had a bad day and dealing with depression and stuff and I thought you know a lot of these girls just have identity issues hmm. and they're kind of stuck in their own selves and I said well why don't I put a play together where they got to play women who are like confident and they're real women in in history and they're you know pioneers in aviation mm -hmm. and we did that 
as a means to just like, hey, step into another reality for a while and see what it feels like, you know, to yeah. play somebody confident yeah. who doesn't, who's not dealing with the issues that you are dealing with. But back to your question, um, you were asking in terms of the audience, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, like you as an audience member. Oh, well, me, I'm very tough to please as an audience <laughs> member. Okay, okay. <laughs> you don't want me to sit in your show because <laughs> I'm kind of I'm 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 not super tall, but I'm tall enough to if I have to sit in your damn seats um, for two hours. Um, I don't know. It's hard, you know. Uh, and I'm not the only one that deals with this. If you direct plays or whatever, um, you know, you'll sit, or if you're even an actor, you know, you'll sit, and sometimes it's hard to just enjoy the show because you're nitpicking like the mm. pace. Well, why okay. is it, you know, the pace isn't good. The director should have did this, or or why is the actor BSing me? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, you know, kind of a thing. And I'm pretty, yeah. um, pretty. You know, if you go have coffee with me after you know after a show, I'll be pretty blunt with it all, mm -hmm. because I am passionate about the opportunity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, that actor just didn't work as hard. I, I could tell. I could tell that the actor just didn't put in the extra time that could have been. And um, but uh, you know, as an audience member, um. I mean, I do see 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 things in town. You know, it's usually um, an actor that'll just grab me. I mean, I think the thing for me is noticing somebody who has stage presence. Who is that mm -hmm. actor on stage where you just cannot take your eyes off of them? They're just so interesting mm -hmm. to look at on stage. And I've worked with uh, folks like that. I've gone to other shows and. You know, you talk to the actors afterwards, and I'll talk to one of the side players who had a couple of lines and be like, man, you really were good out there. You just had a really mm. good stage presence out there, and your your energy was, you know, up to par with everybody else, and you're just like the side person. I That happened to me. Um, I saw uh, uh, my friend directed, um, what the hell is it called? Uh, Mamma Mia. Okay at West High earlier this year. And I saw the show and enjoyed it and everything. And afterwards, I talked to him, you know, I said, who was that young student um, who played, you know, who was in the background there? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. I was like, man, she she really has a lot of energy, stage, uh, you know, stage presence and everything. Mm -hmm. and, and those are the kinds of things that I notice, you know, if somebody is uh, playing a playing a good character sometimes i don't like to watch well, i don't know if i should say <laughs> you know wa watching an actor that that has already made up in their mind i'm one of the good actors in town oh okay i i don't really like to watch that kind of performance okay <laughs> i'm like i i'd rather you just think that you are continually learning this thing and so that you will bust your ass because i think when you when you don't do that, you know, when you say, well, I've, I'm a professional, I've reached, I've reached my place and all this. Yeah. I think that you, you know, you don't work as hard. Yeah. And I, I'm a believer at this point in my life where acting is hard work mm -hmm. and it pays off. 
it can be easy, you know, sure, you can say lines and kind of act on the surface, but you're not going to reach that audience unless your emotion is a real emotion and because your audience has real emotions and you can pull that out of them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the opportunity that I think is the, like, that's what you're going for. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's the journey that you're going on as, as an actor. You're like, I am there when the audience is there with me, you know, and I know it. Yeah. And it's really, and that is also a difference between film too, I think is, is you don't have an audience there uh, necessarily, you know, you're doing a, you're, you're doing a play and there's a lot of things that, that, you know, the actors got to do. They got to, you know, consider the other, you know, the other actors on stage, they can't be all self-absorbed, but they also have to consider the person in the audience without necessarily looking at them and mugging at them. You know Mm, what I mean? But you have to, you have to factor them in as well to your, performance your speech or whatever you are doing yeah and so um it's hard but i love i mean if i watch an actor and i can tell that they are just putting it in or they're just having fun mm-hmm. you know sometimes i there's actors that are just acting they're just not even having fun they're just like oh, i'm just doing this whatever. yeah okay it's a favor <laughs> I'm doing a favor for my friend you know uh, <laughs> how would you describe your style of directing Oh man, I am so new. I I still feel like I'm just a baby at directing. Um, but my style. Well, I I tell people I don't direct plays that I don't like. Okay. You know that I'm not passionate about. So passion's got to be a thing with me. Um. You know, there's a lot of folks who are just like, I just want to direct, and I'll just direct whatever. Yeah, sure, I'll direct, direct, direct this, direct that. But if I don't feel like I can really put my heart into it, I don't do it. And I've, um, I, I actually, <laughs> we're talking about uh, about cinema. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge move, you know, movie fan. Okay. And so sometimes my plays have a bit of cinema cin- uh, cinematic ideas in them or I try to portray something cinematic on stage um, we did uh, so I'm a huge I've been a huge Billy Holiday fan since I was a, a, a kid um, yeah and then I heard there was a musical about Billy Holiday and I freaked out and um, <laughs> and we did we, we, we produced the play here. And um, uh, it's it it was a one woman show, but I was able to contact the um, the uh, producer or the publishers or whatever, and say, hey, listen, you know we're a community theater. We we we'd like to use four actors in this. Or yeah, I think we use three. No, yeah, no, we use four. Four at four four actresses, and um, they gave us permission and my idea was um i'm i'm very interested in the subtext of the play you know like mm-hmm. what is what is going on underneath the dialogue what is you know what needs to come out mm-hmm. and for me one thing that i saw in that script was you know there are many different faces of billy holiday in this one event where she performs at uh, emerson's bar and grill mm. 
So I have the Lady Day, the Billie Holiday from that moment in history. But then she talks about when she is a little girl. So I had a young girl, a young actress, Kinley Norman, um, play a young Billie, Ho- uh, Billie Holiday. And she does that, that little bit of the play and she sang. Mm-hmm. And then there was um, Billie Holiday talks about, um, you know, uh, some of her ancestors that were slaves, right? Mm-hmm. And I had one, at one, one actress, Rachel Chethan, um, come in and sing this like old, you know, slave song or whatever. And she's walking in amongst the, uh, the, the audience. Cause in this uh, specific performance or production, we, we turned the whole state, you know, uh, the whole space into Emerson's bar and grill. So the mm-hmm. actor or so the audience is sitting at, at, uh, ta- tables in the bar and grill and she's walking in amongst them dressed as you know as a slave girl singing this song that's like pulling your heart out you know mm-hmm. and um, then we had Shaylisa um, Anderson play Billie Holiday in like that young peppy prime and Viv and Vivian Meldy played our our uh, Billie Holiday at that time and and um, just those different kind of ways to like you know what does it look like to have this ghostly figure from from the past your ancestor come out and seeing while you're describing mm-hmm. um you know how you came to be um i directed another musical um this one was about patsy klein <laughs> and there was a two-woman show and one of the characters in there is just a, the ultimate Patsy Klein fan. It's based, you know, based on a true story where they actually meet. Mm-hmm. And she's this huge fan. And she describes being in the kitchen doing dishes and hearing Patsy for the first time on TV. And so, um, so what I did is I had her get on her knees like watching a television set. But behind her, Patsy Klein and the band, we had a live you know, country music band mm-hmm. is performing right, right behind her. So the audience is kind of seeing what um, Shara, the actress, is seeing, you know, in front of them. And she and and there's this bit in there where I have Patsy. You know, I said I want Patsy to come out of the TV set and and sing directly to Shara. And so I had so so Patsy's behind Shara there, and I had her con- continue continue to sing her song, walk around, and face her, and then Shara just kind of looks up at her as if she walked out of the TV screen. So I like doing that kind of uh, cinematic <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, and that's like you know, it's like when I look at it, I look at a script and I'm like, hey, what is possible here? Mm-hmm. You know, and. And some of those first ideas where it's like, man, I really like to do this and just not giving up on them. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, I don't like to give up on, on those ideas. I'll do what I can. I'll fight and I'll scratch you know, to make them happen. And how often do those ideas turn out? And then also, you know, I guess maybe it's the same question, but how often do you need to realize that it can't happen and then you just scrap it? Well, it's time. I mean, you know, it's especially my life now. I got, uh, I have a family. I got, you know, I got three kids. When I did Lady Day, I mean, I had, it was just 
I think I had just one one baby at the time. Okay. But um, and I and I wasn't executive direct director then, but it's just you know you got to give yourself the time to do this because um, it does take more time than you think. Um, but it's also how 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 good are you in getting other people involved in helping you, mm-hmm. and that's some you know that's something. I still need to learn to do better at. I'm kind of like, oh, I'll, I'll do it myself kind of a person. Mm-hmm. And as a director, you know, you can stretch yourself a lot. But, you know, um, timing is everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I directed a musical last year that I'm directing again uh, in a couple months or in a month or now, I guess, um, called Constance and Sinestra in the Cabinet of Screams. And when I directed it last year, I... I sorely underestimated what that production needed um, in terms of special effects and, you know, in terms of time yeah. that the actors needed. And, and it was kind of like a rush against the clock, you know, kind of a thing. But, um, you know, one of, one, one of the characters in the musical, she, um, she has black eyes, like completely black eyes. Okay. And, um, so what do you got to do? Well, you got to get the contact lenses. Well, I didn't find anybody in town that has bl- completely black eye contact lenses. So what did I have to do? I had to go and, um, I had to go order them online. Well, now they're, uh, stuck in China somewhere, you know, oh. trying, you know, that, you know, that kind of stress. Yeah. Um, you know, like I mentioned the whole, uh, squib thing, the squib is for this show. Yeah. You know, last last year I had this idea of like, yeah, he'll cut into the animal and then he'll sing a song and the blood will splatter and the audience will laugh and gasp. But I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to make that effect happen. So the idea was let's just cut some holes, poke some holes in a plastic water bottle, fill it with blood, stick it in the carcass of the animal and he'll just have to squeeze. Yeah. But it kind of became this kind of, you know, kind of zzz, kind of wheezing <laughs> blood that kind of kind of sprinklered out and i was like no i want pow i want like that pow right on the beat you know of the song yeah so anyway yeah that's uh you got to give yourself time i think i think it's possible to do pretty much what you want um if you if you if you have the time you don't piss people off treat them (laughs) well because they're your connections Yeah, yeah be friends with people because people have connections with like oh i know somebody who can donate this for free and do this and all that yeah so um yeah what do you think causes you the most stress yeah so what causes me the most stress it's such an easy question to answer (laughs) it's is um i tell people who volunteer with us i say you know, the audience, the people who come see our plays, they're not my only customers. You guys are. I'm providing a service to all of you. And that goes for the directors, for everybody who's involved. And I feel, you know, it's kind of the buck stops here type of thing with me. But mm-hmm. um, um, if I feel like I'm not able to accommodate um 
my crew or my actors with what they need. Like right now, we ran out of water in the shop, you know. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, man, that, that hits me personally uh, because I want to make sure, you know, not, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a part of me that's like, well, everyone can bring their own wa- wa- water bottle and take care of themselves. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but I like to, I'd like to offer that, that extra, you know, thing that, that I, I appreciate the time that everybody's giving me mm-hmm. and I am on top of it. You know, this is a tight ship, um, that we are, that, that, that we're doing. And it's hard to do. It's so hard to do because there's just so many, there's so many tasks and so many things that need to be juggled when you run a theater and it's just you and some, somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing all the marketing. We're doing all the. I mean, I'm writing all the grants. I actually have to write a grant uh, between now and Friday, and I'm mm-hmm. struggling. I'm, I'm trying to get this. Uh, I'm trying to help uh, the set designer finish painting the stage. You know, um, and a lot of that too is in 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 recent years, and this kind of happened since COVID and the closing down of the UAA theater department um, is where everybody in, in the theater who runs a theater is, de- is dealing with this, but it's the lack of crew um, that has skills. Hmm. And most especially in the stage management department. And I, if I can't provide my directors, help them get that good stage manager um, then that just makes more stress, puts more stress on the directors. Mm-hmm. And that, I feel bad. I, that bothers me when, when something like that happens. I mean, we've, we, um, and that, that goes with the costume and, you know, the costume designers, the lighting designers, the sound designers, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I mean, usually I can step in and design sign or sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'll do that, but I am not anywhere near skilled enough yet to um, light design a show. And there's, you know, I can count on one hand how many people I know that can do that. But I can also count on two hands how many theater com- companies are, you know, are doing something. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, it's stressful for everybody really trying to get, I mean, I've, I had a theater company talk to me today say hey do you know any stage managers for our show it's like <laughs> it's like that's just that's a pun you know i have a punchline for you if you like because um, uh you know cyrano's already asked me that or alaska theater of youth already asked me that question and i'm asking myself that same question yeah um so that's that's been the most stressful thing also just the week up like those this week that i'm in now the week up to the opening of a show is, mm-hmm. I mean, very stressful. That's the week that you remember all the stuff you forgot to <laughs> yeah. do in the last <laughs> two months. So <laughs> this, we've been doing okay so far for the most part, but I'm like, man, there's just something I'm going to forget that I'm going to remember 20 minutes before the audience shows up, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. You know. <laughs> so there's always something... Um, that needs to be done. Yeah. So that's that's. But I tell you, man. Once, once the show opens and it's there, I mean, you pop pop the champagne. I mean, that is, that is a 
in my job, and I think, you know, I hope, hopefully for Jasmine, um, our associate director, um, just that feeling of, ah, we did it. We opened this dang show (laughs) and all the stuff that went into it and all the people and some of the backstage drama that popped up or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's here. It's an, you know, it's a show. The audience enjoys it. Yeah. Um, That is such a good feeling. I get to have that sense of accomplishment, um, you know, maybe six or seven times a year. So Mm -hmm. within this job, so that's always good. But it, you know, you earn it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How do you think ACT fits into the Anchorage scene? Um, you know, Bob Pond said, because he came up here in the 50s, and he said, when I came up here, there wasn't much to do except go to church, go to the bar, or do community theater. And, um, and in a way, um, especially in the wintertime, that kind of still rings true, even though there's a lot more up here. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, think about it. You know, with, with the church, you have a community. In the bar, you might, you know, have a community, I guess. Mm-hmm. You, know, you might, you know, throw chairs at each other sometimes um, <laughs> or vomit on each other. But, uh, <laughs> you know, to each his own. Yeah. But uh, with, the, um, with the theater... You know, this is a community that that gets built, you know, that comes together. And one of the things that I noticed pretty early on when I was doing ACT in my early teens was just the different people mm. that I got to spend every night with for two months with. And, I, you know, I think I would never, ever get to know any of these folks in my normal social setting of home and junior high and boy scouts you know mm-hmm. what i mean like yeah but here i know that you know i'm meeting this guy who's you know kind of drifted into town and he's trying to you know and he's trying something new or i meet the guy who is in the air force or i meet the guy who hey that's the janitor at my school you know yeah. what I mean? like we're in a play together we're in a cast yeah. Or you meet the guy who's the judge in Alaska um, or a lawyer or, you know, or a mom or whatever. Um, and, you know, I think I would never be able to meet these people if I was doing, you know, high school theater as well. Right. You're just around the same folks. Yeah. But I was around such a diverse group of people, income wise, culture wise, race wise, mm-hmm. you know, just just um people from all walks of life and and i really did it really um gave me a worldliness at a young age that i don't think i would have gotten but you know for anchorage act i think is sitting on a gold mine that is their history and the th- interesting thing about Anchorage is we're so young, you know, as a city mm-hmm. that our monuments don't seem to, I mean, 
I don't want to say that, I don't want to get this wrong, but our, we don't seem to appreciate the monuments that were part of our history as much. Hmm. Okay. Because I think we're so young. I mean, you know, not, not that people did not fight, you know, I was part of the Save the Fourth Avenue Theater group, you know, Mm-hmm. And people were fighting, you know, to to save the Fourth Avenue Theater because it was an identity. It was the identity of Anchorage, Alaska. Yeah. I mean, you Google Anchorage, Alaska, and you're going to get the Fourth Avenue Theater. Um, but even stuff, you know, that's been around, like, I mean, I don't know, like uh, the first Arctic Roadrunner um, little lo- location on Internet, on Arctic Road, you know, that yeah. shut down. And I thought, man, why couldn't we keep that going? Because yeah. it was part of history. So many people went there. I mean, you know. Um, and ACT has been around since the 50s, you know, since before statehood. Mm-hmm. And we have stories that go through, you know, what it was like in the 50s. Um, we have, you know... We have there's an iconic photo of the 1964 earthquake and the and the splitting you know of the streets down in Fourth Avenue and that mm-hmm. banner that hangs across it says our town that was one of our productions we were doing that show mm, okay yeah you know and it, and that's a part of history as well yeah and I would really like you know I would really like ACT and this is what I've been working towards to really be part of an identity of the citizens of the community of the city mm-hmm. you know and i get a lot of my ideas from like wow you know, i mean look at the moose's tooth you know look at the bear tooth right they're mm-hmm. they're so like alaskan and and proud of anchorage and you know they got all the cool shirts and stuff like that and yeah and you know and i'm you know i I get a lot of my inspiration from what they're doing with their business model in a way. I mean, hopefully our place will taste as good as some of their pizzas. So. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but I think, you know, it was interesting when COVID hit in 2020, I, you know, the option was, well, let's just, you know, do what everybody else is doing and kind of shut down and, and wait until everything op- uh, opens up. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, our mission is to build community through the- through through theater. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't stop, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. unless, you know, unless the bomb gets dropped on us or something. <laughs> like That will not stop. That will keep going in some way. And so we found every single stinking way to stay you know, to stay open. And we had a show. We had a one-man show in um, October of 2020. And we were open when, you know, none of us knew what it was going to be like when summer was over and it would get darker and everything is closed. And what does that do to us? You know, what does Mm -hmm. that do to us psychologically? What does it do to our kids when they are at home, away from school, away from their activities, away from from their friends, they're mm-hmm. doing online. You know, they're learning from a com- computer. What we have no clue what's going to happen psychologically, um, at least at that time, to mm-hmm. everybody. And I thought, man, Alaska is going to be dark. Everything's going to be shut down. 
and you're going to be stuck in your house, and it's going to be snowing, and it's going to be, it's going to affect us. And I said, let's be the only light that's left on, one of the only lights to where you can actually go and gather with a community and enjoy entertainment. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we followed what the CDC rec recommended. We did the whole masking, and everyone sat six feet apart, and the actor was, you know, 10 feet away from the audience. We only had one actor because I didn't want to deal with a cast uh, where someone's like, I got COVID, and then the whole show was <laughs> shut down, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and one of the coolest things from that, too, was we did a, we did a musical, a kid's musical, we were going to do something live in December, but um, the acting mayor shut everything down. He couldn't do anything, right, in December. Mm -hmm. So we did a, a musical that was you could do online with your cell phone. And basically, you use your mo. you know, we, we did auditions through Zoom. <laughs> yeah. And we did this, we did rehearsals through Zoom, and we did, um, we, we, we edited a play together through Zoom and mm -hmm. with these kids on their cell phones and mobile devices. And uh, it was a big cast of kids. The show was actually called The Show um, The show Goes Online or something like that. Oh, The Show Must Go Online. Mm -hmm. And some of the feedback I heard from some of the parents is like, thank God that my kid had something to do Yeah, yeah. like this. Because, you know, sometimes... Like I mentioned, you know, these kids don't do sports. They don't, you know, sometimes. And this is what, what they have. This is how they, they express themselves. This is how they are a part of a society. They, you know, human beings, you know, we're not meant to, you know, be lone wolves. You know, we're not meant to be on our own. You mm -hmm. know, and I'm kind of a hypocrite saying this because a lot of times I'm like, I just want to be alone. <laughs> I just want everybody <laughs> to leave me the hell alone. Um, <laughs> I'm a... Uh, my wife calls me an in, an introvert, right? Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> but uh, but you know it it is true. I, you know I do I do I something is nourished in me when I'm around all of these uh, folks that I see every year mm -hmm. and the new people that come in and and. Um, and 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 I'm at their service, you know. Yeah. I get to serve serve them. How do you feel about being part of ACT's legacy? Well, it's it. Um, I don't think I'd be able to do my job as well if I didn't believe in the legacy, or if I wasn't a part of something like this that had a lay a legacy um you know to me act's more than just theater it's more than just art mm. you know what i mean and i'm an artist you know i i enjoy that stuff but i i enjoy the business aspect of it the um um the the commercialism well, commercial is kind of a bad word now, but uh, you know what I mean. Like the uh, the um, co the 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 commerce yeah. aspect of it as well. You know, um, the art of mark mar uh, marketing and all that. But also, um, 
the product that I'm marketing to the community is not just, you know, junk food. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it is something that I really believe can be really, really good for folks. You know, we're, we're bringing Anchorage to, together, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a ton of division, as we all know, ton of division in our country. And seems like, at least if you watch the media, it seems like everybody's at their throats and everyone's getting canceled and my gosh, yeah. and you offended this person, that person. Mm. But, um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, this is a way for, for all of us just to come together and work together as a community. And it's for a single purpose and a single purpose yeah. is a play. And so, ACT's legacy is that community. You know, we're not uh, the professional theater company. You know, I actually thought of, uh, we should come up with a t-shirt that says, ACT, not the professional theater company in Anchorage. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just owning it. <laughs> yeah, just own it. Um, but, but uh, I don't know. I, I think of the people who came before and the other executive directors and you know Bob Pond meant a lot to me and I meant a lot to him and uh, the fact that I'm kind of in the same you know seat that he is or that he was mm-hmm. um, you know it was interesting I had um, I had breakfast with him uh, when I finally said hey the board interviewed me and they want to give me the job as executive director and and I told him that and we had breakfast and he had a whole list of okay so this is what you do you know and um <laughs> and I still have that uh that list in my desk and he died 2 weeks after that you mm. know and I thought man he didn't really get to see what I what I got to do here but um I'm very passionate about it and I, I hope that comes across in in um, how we've grown in the last few years. And um, we've been Anchorage's best kept secret for so long. And I really feel like, um, you know, including and, and uh, building more of that community. I mean, it's really the mission stay statement that just that is that's that's the the engine for this whole vehicle. Mm-hmm. is that everything sums up to the mission of building community through the, through theater. Would you mind ending this conversation by reading what's on that list that Bob Pond gave you? <laughs> Let me see here. I would not mind at all. I can find where the. Give me one second. I do know some of it by heart too. Okay. All right. <clears throat> one thing that it says is, um, and it's all very technical, but um, it basically says, don't try and do all of the artsy plays throughout the whole season. Don't fill up your season with a bunch of uh, artsy plays that no one's ever heard of. 
you know, do the commercial shows, the ones that are going to bring in big, um, a lot of volunteers, bring in the crowds, and then for one of your shows of the season, do an artsy or an unknown uh, play. Do that. Mm. Do more of that. Um, And this one, I'm still trying to do good at this one. Um, (laughs) The other thing that it says is um, you have to prep for, you have to, when you do a meeting, prep for the meeting. And then after the meeting, um, you have to do the meeting after the meeting, which meant you know, after the meeting is over, just don't move on to the next thing. You have to do all the things that you discussed at that meeting. And mm-hmm. that has been has been some of the best advice that I've had that I'm still trying to live up to. Yeah. Because um, it's busy. But yeah, he... Uh, but I still, still, still follow that. He knew the business model that worked for ACT, not just for financial success, but for, you know, getting the community involved. Yeah. One thing that Bob did was he would do what's called needs-based casting. You know, you have everybody try out, but you notice that there's just that one person, usually like a kid or something, Mm. who you get a sense. You're like, you know, I think this kid needs this right now. Mm. And so you give him the role or give her the role. And I've used that before. He used to have kind of this policy of whenever he did a kid's show like Oliver or something, you know, giving everybody a role, giving every kid, don't turn any kid away. Mm-hmm. And I tried that <laughs> with Bus Stop in 2019. Or no, no I'm sorry, uh, Best Christmas Pageant Ever in 2019. Okay. And, um, you know, he was dealing with Grant Hall, you know, 200-something, you know, seat auditorium. I'm dealing with a... 70 seat um, room with a nine foot tall, you know, 10, 10 foot wide uh, wall and a nine foot high ceiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did what he did. I, I, and there were, we had 40 kids in that show. And I'd tell you the scene changes just, I mean, to get the kids on stage and off stage, just those alone, just from them moving was like a minute long. <laughs> I bet. He has a lot of kids. <laughs> I was like, at least, Bob, I'm, I'm, uh, your dream is continuing on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, Matt, those are all the questions I have for you. You know, I want to thank you for talking with me today and for all the work you do at ACT and, of course, the Anchorage theater community. You're welcome. Thank you. This this opportunity um, was a lot of fun. It's actually a nice, you know, we're busy as heck right now trying to get this show going and just being able to sit and reflect on everything that we do here um, has been really good for me. Therapeutic, if you might, you might say. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate it. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash crude magazine. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. 
Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats. 